Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Well, hello. I am so pleased that you're joining us today on the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm Harmony, and today we are connecting with a wonderful woman, a special guest, of course, who's written a beautiful book called Ritual as Remedy, Embodied Practices for Soul Care. And I just love this title. I love this conversation that we're going to have. What are some soul care, some self-care rituals that we can do to awaken freedom, joy, depth of spirit, connect to that wild, untamed self and re-inspire or reignite that radical self-love. And so Mara is just a beautiful woman, also Canadian, who really explains how ritual can evoke a unique sense of magic, um, connecting with these ancient traditions, Celtic Uh, traditions and heritage and how we can connect with that inner mystic inside so that we're using the powers or the energies of the unseen realms and we're able to turn maybe the mundane things in our life into sacred experiences Uh, So, yeah, it's a really beautiful conversation that we are going to have. And I have some exciting news. If you haven't heard, I will be in Kansas City teaching at Maya Yoga. It's coming up in just a couple of weeks, February 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So if you'd like to come and connect with me in person, we're going to have an amazing time in Kansas City. I cannot wait. And I would love to meet you in person and teach yoga, you know, have you in in the class. We're going to have some beautiful workshops and opportunities to connect during that weekend. And if you can't meet me in person, then please join me online uh, coming up just this week on Saturday, January 28th, where we're going to be learning more ways where we can use ritual and different types of grounding ourselves and awakening ourselves to that inner mystic. Some other practices like pranayama, meditation, journaling, some of the things that we can do to really connect us deeply with our soul during times in our cycle where maybe a strong asana practice, a strong physical practice isn't accessible or even the right choice. Even if it is accessible, maybe it's not the right choice for that moment or that season of our life. And so we're going to be talking about sacred cycles and sacred seasons This will be online Saturday, January 28th. You can find all the information at Keen on Yoga and you can find all the information about my live workshop coming up at the first weekend of February at Maya Yoga in Kansas City. And so I hope to see you either online or in person coming up soon. And until then... I hope this episode gives you some inspiration with Mara Branscombe, some really beautiful ways for you to uh, connect with your soul, with your spirit, 
through ritual, through nature, and hear a little bit about her inspiring story and what brought her into the field of yoga and how creativity really feeds her passion and everything she does. Hi, and welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I am here with Russell Case. Harmony, you told me yesterday that I think that you've given up Jesus. Is that what you said? <laughs> and you've decided to become a Wiccan. Yeah, I wanted to follow my Celtic heritage. Oh. <laughs> I was sort of feeling like in the Christmas spirit, and I'm kind of feeling like it's a very pagan holiday. I think it point. is. We've transformed it, haven't we? Well, we're here <laughs> to talk to Mara Branscombe. I said it right? You said it awesome. right. Good morning, Mara. How are you? We're going to talk about some rituals, I think. Are we? Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good. We will. I was listening to this radio show yesterday. Um, I forget which one. But they were talking about spirit cookies and these spirit cookies being a... I'm sorry. Yes. They're called <sighs> spirit cookies and it being like a transactional thing. That in um, the Scottish Celtic religion, and it's also uh, within the native, um, like the uh, traditional, like some of the the tribes, the indigenous tribes of Canada also have a similar ritual, which is kind of weird and interesting. But leaving out these sugar cookies um, for the spirits, for these different types of spirits in exchange for them to like do things like find the lost necklace or, you know, mm. bring a good birth or make money. I don't know. Different things. And and then I was thinking, oh, that's just like Santa, actually, isn't it? Mm, like the origins <laughs> of St. Nicholas. Yes. For yes. <laughs> all of this material consumption took place, there was um, a lot more reciprocity, in fact, yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was probably the, the baseline of I give, I offer this, mm -hmm. may I receive this. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that seems to be the whole thing for Christmas for me at this point is that it's just a nice time to think about other people and think about you know what what they might like. And I guess that does have a lot to do with material consumption, but it's also just it's just nice to kind of think about somebody and really what they might be interested in. And that seems to be the whole of it for me. I don't have any kind of other association association to Christmas at this point. <laughs> weird and, isn't it and it's also it's i mean it's changed. kind of uh it's colorful it's in in a very bleak dire situation that we find ourselves in especially in canada uh, as you as you can relate up there in whistler <laughs> nice to have yes, some warmth yes for sure some light and warmth and you know we just had winter solstice so i led a winter solstice yes. ceremony last night in fact it was at 148 p.m. Pacific time on December 21st, it always changes nice. times. But this is a really important part of um, my spiritual frequency, I would say, is attuning to the solstices and the equinoxes as some of the bigger holidays that I celebrate mm -hmm. and honor. And they what did you do? No, no gifts, simple no presents. No gifts, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, gifts no for the gifts, earth. No gifts, but simple sure. presents. Yeah. 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 So yeah, no winter solstice is, you know, and for your listeners, if they if they aren't aware, so it it 
is the you know the shortest day and the longest night of the year and there's this cosmic alignment in the universe that you know the sun and the moon stand in a moment of stillness together um so it's a, a reflection of how we too can pause and be in uh, inward reflection be in stillness and allow ourselves to honor both the the dark aspects of the shadow of what we're currently working with in our lives, the challenges, the conflicts, the triggers, the drama, and to allow that to really be, to come forward and to be seen, to be honored, to be respected, to be revered as teachers and wisdom, and and then to welcome the return of the light, to welcome. Mm-hmm. So, so now, today, we have, you know, the first day after solstice is we, we're increasing our light. We have more light now. Um, <laughs> and I know those, you know, in Calgary, that's really big because it yeah. is... Um, <laughs> Um, you know, very cold there. Um, and so, you know, these these markings in these holidays, what they do, and, you know, what I love to guide myself and others into, is that it allows us to be more connected to our environment. And when we are more connected to our environment and our ecosystem, naturally, we are more connected to our internal environment and our internal ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So therefore, being mm-hmm. an act of reciprocity with oneself to one's environment. Mm, I love that. I'm not sure that we properly introduced Marie. Would, would you mind if I could if I could just introduce <laughs> you to our listeners for a moment? Sure. You've, you've written something really, really beautiful here. Uh, it's Mara. Yes. Mara Branscombe is a mother, writer, yogi, artist, teacher, mindfulness leader, ceremonialist, and spiritual coach. And you're the author of Ritual as Remedy, embodied practices for soul care and also this this is intriguing sage huntress lover queen access your power and creativity through sacred female archetypes that's fantastic i i, I love everything about that I, right i'd love to talk about both those books i'd love to talk to you about how you came to be all of these things and in, in the arc in your life and and how you come to be out in the middle of Whistler on um on the winter on the winter solstice. <laughs> yeah, cold solstice. <laughs> well, my yes. dream would be to, to be living on you know full time on a large piece of land, um, and I have done that, and I have lived off the grid in my life. So that's probably a, an arc that happened for me as I had the good fortune of living um, in the Kootenays and Nelson. Uh, I lived in, in the oh. Nelson for some time. Yes, I'm a, a yeah. Kootenay dweller. Um, I have been, and I w- was able to live in a, a tiny cabin, um, you know, on a hundred acre um, piece of land with, um, you know, two of, two or three of those acres being an organic um, farm uh, garden. So, uh, you know, that was two years and there was no electricity. And, and that was after probably six years of tree planting. I was also a tree planter. So I'm just going to give you a little of the highlights yes, that really please. did shift the arc of my life. I went to India, um, you know, when I was 21 for an entire year, um, India, Thailand, and Nepal, and studied yoga, changed my life, um, went, lived in the cabin, more changing of life, <sighs> studied to be a Waldorf teacher. So I am a Waldorf um, t- uh, teacher, uh, and in fact, was a kindergarten teacher in Nelson, and it also changed my life. Absolutely brilliant teachings and deep spiritual inquiry. And, um, you know, all of that, the yoga has been uh, very strong meditation, 
And I studied with um, a group of women called Sisters of the Shields. Mm -hmm. In fact, starting when I was 18 years old, so very formative time for me studying um, uh, the Celtic Wheel of the Year, pagan traditions. I'm English, Scottish, and Irish, so um, very you know attuned to that frequency. And um, yeah, so you know, and I'm a dancer and an artist, so all of these things you know have kind of woven uh, the tapestry of of the calling, which is now me sharing it through words, you know, I'm still teaching a lot and I lead, you know, international retreats and, and I love that. And I, I love what I love most is, you know, at, at the in, right tucked into my heart, right at the center is to, you know, empower others to live the life they want and to mm-hmm. um, allow them to give them tools to um, express in the ways that they, you know, that they want and they desire and that they feel called to in the world. Mm, that's so beautiful. That's fantastic. Yeah. It, it's it says that you were studying world religion at university. That was that was that in Canada. Yeah, that was at Bishop's University, in fact, in Quebec. And um, yeah, it was a it was like a double major. I did actually women's studies um, and religious studies. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you how do you leave college and then find yourself in India? That's such an it seems like there was some choices made. You didn't just get Shanghai. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes, and um, you know, choices that just presented themselves to me. And so, what happened was actually I found uh, BKS Iyengar's Light on Yoga yeah. when I was eighteen in the library. This is pre-internet um, because yeah. I was doing a project on Eastern um, Eastern philosophy, and so there I was in that section. And then there was his, you know, that big beautiful blue mm-hmm. book pulled it out. And then, you know, I had been a gymnast my whole childhood. Mm -hmm. So I was very um, attuned to my body. And then after I retired from gymnastics, which was just shortly before I went to university, in fact, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, I opened the book up and I said, oh, I I think I can do this. I know how Mm -hmm. to do this. I'm going to start studying this on my own. So I would do that like um, every day, just myself in that book Mm -hmm. um, as part of my like self-care as part of staying even keeled in my body and mind. And so then, you know, that, that sparked, um, I met some other people tree planting, in fact, in Canada's North that, Mm um, that were practicing yoga and I had never been in a class before or anything Mm -hmm. because there was no classes then. Um, Mm -hmm. this is 25, 27 years ago. Right. So, um, then I found an opportunity to go to India and I went and well, that was instead of doing my, um, I was going to go to graduate school and I changed gears and instead <laughs> I bought that ticket to Asia and um, my parents were like, whoa, what are you doing? What is going on here? And so, um, yeah. That's so funny. That's such a, it's a a familiar story for me because that's, I did a degree in philosophy and a degree Uh, in religious studies and also was planning to go back and do a master's and a PhD and have that sort of in, in my heart, in my mindset, and then bought that ticket to India, which led to then moving to Thailand and traveling between Thailand and India and, you know, just being there for the next four years of my life. So, yeah, but, but, but how do you come to live there for a year? It's one thing to say I'm going to go to India and you spend a month, you know, trekking around. But then, like, to to make that kind of leap and and those sorts of 
you know, what, how did you manage that? Well, you know, and I was, I was um, volunteering, teaching actually in schools. So that's how I loved doing oh. that, both in Nepal and India. And in Thailand, I wasn't, but I was studying. Um, I was doing um, retreats. I did um, a Theravada Buddhist retreat for 12 days at Watson Muk, nice. um, Temple of the White Swan. And um, Nepal, I was doing a lot of trekking, in fact, and I was with um, a partner of mine at the time who was a river guide. <laughs> and so he was guiding um, up in the rivers of Nepal, which was totally wild. And so we were kind of trekking around and doing stuff and working a bit and, you know, living and learning. And I studied in um, Rajasthan and Varanasi, um, both one month sections of immersive um, yoga. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Forgive me for maybe stepping back again, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in you as a kind of, 11 year old 10 year old girl growing up and and did you model yourself after a particular person who mm. who would be this adventurous I mean, was there someone that inspired you to do to i mean these are really difficult choices to make as a as a 20 year old to go and and live like this like how did you feel allowed to make these kind of choices Great question. And I feel really blessed. I'm I'm the fourth child. So (laughs) therefore granted a lot of permission and a lot of freedom to, you know, I I had wonderful parents, very strict, however, very conservative. Um, And the one thing that they really gave us was the gift of nature. Um, so that we we had a, a little summer cabin, very humble, um, that we would spend. They were both teachers. My parents are both teachers. So, oh. Yeah, come from this, and their parents were teachers, and their is a long, right. line, long <laughs> lineage of teachers. And so, um, I I just you know I had this very strong pull and desire to um, really immerse myself in nature, um, and also. I was the girl that, you know, we received National Geographic every month and I was like devouring National Geographic from a very young age. And, and I, you know, I remember I actually wanted to go to Africa instead of going to university first year because I wanted to do this exchange program. You know, I wanted to go live in Africa and, you know, do this exchange program. And I was so fascinated by the African culture and my parents were like, no, 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 no. Um, and so I guess that just, I'm just sharing that because I think that was, it was just innately in me and none of my siblings did anything like that, or, you know, it wasn't modeled in fact. And yet there was just this really strong uh, desire. And I, I was just born, I think I was born a hippie actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and I just, yeah, uh, born a hippie, still a hippie, always be a hippie yeah. and love it. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I'd love to hear more about this women of the shield. Is that what it was called? This group that you were a part of and how that kind of also fed this love of nature and these rituals and maybe even, you know, inspired you to travel to other countries and dive into other cultures. So I was blessed again with a dear friend in high school whose mom was part of this group. 
Oh. Again, I'm, I yeah. So I and I grew up was very Southern Ontario, conservative farm town, um, factory kind of town. You know, so for her to be involved in this was quite. You know, my eyes were like bright <laughs> and wide, yeah. and 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 I I you know was able to. They invited me to a fire a full moon fire ceremony mm-hmm. when I was seventeen, and um and then you know, was offered uh, a mentorship spot. And so um, I would receive in the mail <laughs> once a month from my mentor who was, you know, an elder in this group of women, um, um, everything about the the new moon and the full moon of that, you know, so astrology and then some rituals to, you know, work with and some practices, some mind body practices. And I would receive that in the mail. Amazing. And it was like this membership I paid. There was like a tiny little fee, like yeah. the tiniest little fee. Like I wrote a check, right? So, yeah. uh, and and I would, it was so special to me that that existed and it it, did, it really did change my life. So that was, you know, the beginning of this um, real like unity consciousness with nature. And, and it gave the background of why. It gave mm. the background of what I was always feeling, but never had any modeling of. And in fact, that was the modeling of. Mm. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, that's really, it's beautiful. That's something that I think has always um, fascinated me and and I've enjoyed with the Ashtanga Yoga lineage and tradition is this really honoring the new new moon and the full moon Mm. and tuning yourself to that lunar cycle and then even like your menstruation, like honoring those lady days and tuning into your own cycles and your own nature. And I think mm-hmm. that it, something really powerful comes from sort of doing that to training your, your consciousness to mm-hmm. um, be aware of these cycles and patterns happening like within you, but also mm-hmm. outside of you and how it's a, a relationship or how you can interact with them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it says here as well that you were in India in 2022. You were, you were doing some volunteer teaching, some trekking. You were there a good long time. Parents very worried. And then <laughs> you, you sailed across the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. How did, how did, that's just another like an extraordinarily courageous choice to on make a big boat? on a big boat. And then maybe you probably felt tiny at the time. And then <laughs> yeah. your parents are just frightened out of their mind. Like they, they have extra children, but still. <laughs> good thing. <laughs> yeah. Good thing. Yeah. So the, the sailing was again, just wow. Uh, the most epic and wonderful adventure. Um, remarkable. And it came to be also through a little yoga connection. I will tell you uh, how beautiful I was up in um, the Yukon in, mm-hmm. in fact, in Whitehorse. Yeah. And I was living up there for the summer after a season of tree planting. And I got a job working with Canadian river expeditions, helping them out on the Tatch and Sheeny 14 day river trips. Mm-hmm. And on this particular trip, so clients come and they pay, you know, a great amount of money to go on these 14 day river trips. And it's very eco-conscious and, and unbelievable. Yeah. So the captain and the chef of this 105 foot sloop boat mm-hmm. 
were guests on the trip. And so they, we, we would practice yoga in the morning because, well, the chef in particular was a yogi. Uh And so her and I would go and do practice, you know, in the morning, 6am. And then, um, she said, I said, if you ever need crew, um, let me know. And sure enough, one month later, I got the phone call. Hey, we're going to do an Atlantic crossing. You want to join us? And Absolutely um, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I said yes, you know. And it turned oh, out to amazing. be an amazing, another kind of year adventure because it was 44 days to cross. But the wow. bonus that I received was that um, I got to live on the boat in the Caribbean for like two months and work on other boats. And then, you know, and then I went, you know, we traveled from basically from Florida to Athens, um, Greece. And then I traveled Uh, around um, Greece and Turkey also. And yoga was always part of it. Isn't it amazing? Like once you start practicing, then you you instantly connect with other yogis. Then all of a sudden you're practicing in these other locations. I was practicing in Turkey with other yogis that I had met. I was practicing in Greece with yogis from the Ashtanga lineage, in fact. And then I ended up living at their house for a while um, because there's this common energy yeah that is 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 so inspiring to be around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love picturing you on a boat I've always imagined what it would be like to take that big journey across the Atlantic and because I think like I have this romantic sort of image of like the Titanic <laughs> like these <laughs> these big like ships you know of the in the 1800s crossing and like living on these ships and just like what an epic journey that would have yeah. been and yeah. and you lived it which is incredible wow. this was a modern boat no titanic very modern <laughs> and i'll tell you the gift was the dolphins i would mm-hmm. sit at the bowsprit mm-hmm. on calmer days not when we were in 25 foot swells we wouldn't do that then we were all harnessed in Honestly, 25 foot swells. Now I'd sit at the bowsprit and I'd dangle my feet and I'd clap my hands and the dolphins would come and they'd come in unison and they, and they, they build, they, because they're riding the bowsprit, right? It's like a free Mm. ride. And they, and they start playing and spiraling. And I received the message from them to pursue my dance career. And as weird and wild as that sounds, it was very true very real. I received a deep calling and message to go and pursue that dance career that I always wanted to and I never did. And so I did. Wow. Um, yeah. After that, yeah. Where did you do that? And what did that look like? Yeah. So the dance trainings um, happened in Vancouver. Um, so I was a, a Waldorf teacher for two years. And then I realized, you know, I actually had a dream and I shot right out 90 degrees in bed in the middle of the night. And I said, I have to give my notice. I'm going to go to dance school. I went, so that's what happened. So I moved <laughs> back to Vancouver. Yeah, it was very, you know, I don't get those, we don't get those that often. You know, no. you get those yeah. real strong, clear, intuitive mm-hmm. calls. Um, I also received one to write the book, to, to write Ritual as Remedy, in fact. Um, but the calling was that, you know, to give myself that opportunity to really, you know, be in this artistic 
you know, I'm an artist and I think we're all artists, but sometimes that artistry gets pushed down because, you know, you have to be the teacher, you have to be Mm -hmm. this, you know, and Mm -hmm. the family calls for you to grow up and step up. But my growing up and my stepping up was actually honoring that I am an artist. And so I danced for eight years professionally after that. So I- Oh, you did? Yes. Yes. I had a company and, you know, I just stopped dancing when I had my first daughter. Wow. Uh, at 36 actually. And I, oh. I even had my last show when she was, when I was probably about like five, six months pregnant or something. Um, and so the dance is built upon the yoga, the meditation, the ritual, the, the expressive, you know, calling of all of these lineages um, to really free the channels and to inspire others to do that. Is it was it kind of like a Pina Bausch like modern dance or was it like yeah, more of a ballerina? Oh, no, I no. see. You can't, go, yeah. you can't be a ballerina starting at that age. Like, That's what I'm. Confused yeah, it's about. a little yes. much. Yeah. So more of a modern kind of interpretive yes. kind of making yeah. a me- really t- making a message and then expressing yes. it. Yes, like conscious, you know, and in uh, you know, I worked for other choreographers, and then you know, we had our company so that we could hire other choreographers to work with us. And it was just, it was beautiful. It was a real collaborative, very artistic time in my life. Wow. That I think, um, you know, these things happen for reasons, and and um, we build this capacity of our spirit, known or unknown at the time, so that we can then, you know, ultimately land on some of these bigger projects that can, you know, inspire others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about your book. What inspired you to write the book and tell us about what we can find inside? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the this book, Ritual as Remedy, Embodied Practices for Soul Care, was an online course that I taught for four years prior to writing this book. Mm. It was wow. called The Art of Ritual. So it has some good bones to it. It had, you know, I'd, I'd led, you know, about 300 women through this course. Very mm-hmm. and, it, and what I, the book is, is it's practical, accessible, spirited rituals that you can do to um, enhance your quality of life, to perhaps evolve out of, you know, inner child work or, you know, the triggers, the stressors, the patterns that repeat themselves. So there's tools in here in this book for you to connect mind, body, spirit to then ultimately liberate Mm -hmm. and, you know, inspire the next, you know, path forward. And the model of this book is based on the Celtic wheel of the year. So the Celtic wheel of the year starts in the direction of the east, spring equinox. That's the energy of the heart. Mm -hmm. Then we go down to the south. That's the element of fire. That's summer solstice. And that's our ability to transform, evolve, you know. And and then we move to the west. That's water. That's fall equinox. And that's really about our creative center. Um, It's about the, the practice of letting go of releasing what no longer serves and pretty deep, you know, second chakra work. So I bring a lot of the energy medicine of the chakras in. Then we go to the North that's um, winter solstice. Here we are right here. And it's the, um, the element of earth and it's about um, honoring, you know, your grounded energy so that you can, you know, then move into the rising. Mm -hmm. And it's also about calling, you know, your ancestors forward and and working with your guides um, 
and, and calling them forward. You know, I really believe that we all have guides and whatever your word is, some people like to use the word angel or, you know, ones that have crossed over the other side, or we can find our guides in earth, air, fire, water, and ether. We can, mm -hmm. you know, but, but once people start to understand that they are supported, mm -hmm. there's a radical shift that happens. We feel less alone. We feel less disconnected. We feel less overwhelmed. We feel less stressed and we go, no, 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 I am supported. I am here to evolve. And here I am balancing rest to activation, balancing darkness to light, balancing my external self to my internal self. And so we just, you know, it's tools to ride these waves. Mm. Mm. I so if I, I wanted to take like Bob Dylan as, as my <laughs> spirit guide. Yeah. Is there a way that I can start yeah. a, a cyclical process of, of ritual to make that work better for me. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, new playlist, new Bob Dylan playlist, yeah. mm -hmm. every turn of the wheel. So winter solstice. So today, make mm -hmm. a new one, you know, and then also look at his lyrics. Uh -huh. And then this is a great thing. Look at his lyrics and then be inspired to write your own song, your own poem, your own blessing. Mm -hmm. That's going to be, it's like, a lot of people work that way, and I, I, I work that way in in the work. Sometimes I'll read Rumi, I'll, I'll mm -hmm. you know, I'll bring in the mystics and Hildegard von Bingen, and um, you know, Kuan Yin, and some of these beautiful deity energies, and I'll sit with them in my morning meditation, mm -hmm. and I'll read an inspiring text, and then I'll begin my own writing, mm -hmm. and so we're it's it's moving through mm -hmm. in a deeper way, I believe. Mm -hmm. And and how would and would harmony do this the same thing? Like you you you've decided to become Wiccan, I think yesterday. So <laughs> would you would you also think about a particular script and sit with that script in the morning? Is it it's important to have like a particular time of day set aside at the at the same time every day? Or can I? I think so. I mean, you could you could wherever you fit it in. But guess what? Life is busy, and guess what? It doesn't get done. So yeah. I'm like, get it done in the morning, girl. But you may have a different time. Some people are, you know, they love to do some stuff in the evening. You know, for me, I light a candle every morning. I sit in silence. I do my meditation practice. And then I visualize my day going the way I want it to go. Hmm. Without getting tripped up on, you know, the final outcome, we have to release the final outcome. It's not, it can't be part of our process because then we get, you know, tripped up on, you know, oh, this happened, didn't happen. Oh, it didn't look the way I wanted it to look. So, so if we, if your body becomes this channel, opportunity of expansion, of openness, first thing in the morning, then maybe you go into your yoga practice or, you know, you read your spiritual texts, whatever you do. Sometimes you only have five minutes. So what do you mm -hmm. do in that five minutes? You light a candle, mm -hmm. you, 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 allow your body to become a channel of gratitude, compassion, love, whatever that is for you moving through you. And there's a resonance there that will not be forgotten. Mm -hmm. Benefit you for the entire day, for the week, for this whole mm -hmm. cycle of your life. I love that. I want to talk more about the summer solstice because it's my favorite day because it's my birthday. 
<laughs> oh, it's your birthday. That's yeah, funny. and I want to know what yeah. summer solstice <laughs> rituals you would recommend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a great birthday you have. <laughs> so summer solstice, yes, it's a time of, you know, wild expansion, childlike wonder. I can even see that in you. It's beautiful. Your light, your, you know, your expanse, expansive light. So summer solstice is a time to um, create a massive outdoor altar with all the things that are, you know, um, all the colors and the flowers that light you up. And I would say make a circle, a ring of all of the things like that. Maybe it's from your garden. Maybe it's from the farmer's market. Maybe it's from, you know, stuff that's in nature that you, you feel it's okay to either pick or it's fallen on the earth or it's about to, you know, end its cycle of bloom. And yeah, so you make this incredible altar outside and then you put your candles on the inside and you you allow yourself to be steeped in the light so summer solstice is is you know the um the sun gives and gives and gives and never asks for anything in return Mm. it's like wild Mm -hmm. right um that capacity so can we be like that capacity on the inside of our body so all of these things are really um about you know inviting in and attuning to you know what's growing at the time where the light is at what where's the moon cycle on that particular day of the solstice it will change every year um depending on you know the the earth and the rotation of the moon um so, but I, you know, I think that those are some of the, you know, running barefoot, being barefoot, being barefoot, mm. you know, going, you know, getting your body, body in water, natural water, lakes, rivers, oceans, that kind of thing. Wonderful. I'm going to, I'm, I'm tucking that away for later yes. this year. <laughs> yes. Give me a picture. I will for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. No, you can't really like do the barefoot on the earth uh, in minus 30 winter solstice time. <laughs> right. So it's a little bit cold for that up here in the North country. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so what other kinds of like rituals do you integrate into your day or like what other types of rituals bring like healing effects for people? Mm-hmm. Great question. So that morning ritual could be really mm-hmm. important for some folks that um, are feeling like they're wanting deeper meaning in their life. So I give people a challenge of like, with, instead of going to your phone, <laughs> you light the candle for your laptop. That's yeah, me. yeah. Like you have to put the devices away. You, 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 uh, you need to actually put them away and just try it for seven days. See how you feel. Yeah. I give people the seven day challenge, like. Okay, what does that mean if you don't go to your device first thing? It means you you light your candle. So that see the candle lighting replaces the desire to go to the device. Mm. Right? And then you have and then you can have your warm tea or coffee, but do it in the darkness. So don't turn on any lights. So mm-hmm. you're in natural light. Um, and then you call forward your gratitudes, then you may have a journal practice first thing. So those are really healing for the morning. And then, you know, being in nature um, once a day mm-hmm. without distraction. So, um, you know, a lot of us have dogs and it's a wonderful way to, to also be in nature. Um, but leave your, again, turn your phone off. So you're not constantly distracted. And then when you're in nature, um, you know, there's some wonderful techniques to, to, um, 
welcome in is that you are as connected to the forest as you know the trees are connected to each other so you you can you can kind of move into nature with um you know let the snow laden conifers like let that energy kind of come into your body let the sunrise in let the colors of the sunset into the center of your body specifically into your organs like you can just start to visualize and imagine that that's a very healing practice so that's kind of like nature infusion another great practice is blessing our food so um, we sit and take a moment to place your hands over your food and just track where did the food come from mm-hmm. what seeds were planted for this food to be, who, what were the farm? Did the, were there farmers that grew this? If there's, if you eat animal byproducts, you know, you thank the animals for giving their life to you for that. Um, so just in that, also just very, you know, it doesn't have to be this long drawn out process, but it is a consciousness. And then you know, also with um, the evening ritual, another great example could be, um, you know, make it like I say, bookend your day with some sort of conscious kind act to yourself so how you wake up make it a little bit spiritual you know what does that mean to you make it spirited if the word spiritual doesn't work for you then how do you go to bed make it spirited you know so maybe you know maybe it's like you give yourself a foot massage with lavender or you rub your temples you know with lavender oil you um you know there's some sort of warming practice if you're cold then you need to have like a warm shower or you know a warm bath before bed you know we have to put ourselves into this place where we can rest another great thing that i find very effective is you know at the end of the day you say this is uh, my work is done for the day a job well done i release work now so i come into the dream time may the dream time bring to me any clues or cues on my healing journey at this time mm-hmm. and then you have that journal beside your bed and you know sometimes you do wake up at 3 a.m and instead of being mad you know you just go oh is there something i need to maybe write in this scribble down in this journal right now or or is just like be at peace because Mm. once we start to activate these rituals it's like we can be more at peace with some of the challenging pieces in our life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. it's so interesting because i i it's something that i'm i'm really what i really want for our child is to have a sense of wonder and a, and a sense of fascination with with nature because I think it it's it's incredibly helpful for us as human beings because otherwise we we look at nature we look at our circumstances our surroundings and we might feel boredom and I think boredom mm-hmm. is is so pernicious and and I, I I think my own particular training as a painter is is and as a is a yoga student has given me as like a superpower to transform boredom into wonder. And anything that I look at or anything that I feel can be transformed into a kind of, you know, supernatural state of exquisite bliss Mm. just by noticing it. Like, uh, Oh, I'm, I'm bored, but you know, the look at the light on this chair. Ah, oh, it's you know it's exquisite, mm-hmm. or you know the the look at the look at the the naked tree branches you know outside the car window. It's ex- 
exquisite. <laughs> and I, you know, I want to, I want to somehow help my child tap that, that sense of wonder and not just, you know, sometimes a child can be stuck in a state of misery and just like, Oh, just give me my fucking phone. Dad. You know? <laughs> Oh no! You know, and so yeah. how, how do you, you've got you've got children now? Like, how yeah, do you I have, do this? How old's your child? He's eleven, almost twelve, almost. 12. Okay, same. Yeah. So, okay, so my daughter is uh, turning twelve on January first. Oh, my nice. my other daughter is eight. So that is a great question, and I think we need to um, understand age. Mm -hmm. cycles in this too so of course when they're younger it's a little bit easier to impress upon the wondrous aspects of the world (laughs) and as we're moving through the teenage years it may be a little bit more challenging (laughs) so we cannot force or push we can connect Mm -hmm. how can you connect Mm -hmm. in a way that feels you know that you're meeting your child in even the smallest way through this cycle in time that builds love, compassion, empathy, that, um, you know, getting them, getting them out in nature. And I know it's so hard when it's so cold. Um, but these, these things, I think, um, yeah, I was reading actually in Gabor Mate's book, The Myth of Normal. Yeah. Um, great book. So, you know, I'm reading it. I've had the great honor of studying with him a little bit in the, oh, past, over the past couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, he talks about um, kids have lost, um, because of so much media yeah. and disconnection, they've lost their capacity to be empathic Mm. and compassionate because they're desensitized. Mm -hmm. So whatever we can do to help um, keep them sensitive, Mm -hmm. um, touch, connection, um, being interested in what they're interested in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of that, like meeting them there and then then trusting, you know, and and being um, patient. And, mm-hmm. and loving. So I think, um, you know, these things and uh, this is this is our work. Mm-hmm. This is our work as parents is meeting them where they're at and um, not giving up, not giving up and not saying, oh, no, that's we're doomed. We're, he's he's going to be on his phone all day long, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and just in giving some nice boundaries around that without, you know, shutting down. It's just such a it's like the ultimate yoga. It's the yes. ultimate right? <laughs> practice of yoga. Yes. I really loved what you said there that about being interested in what they're interested in because yeah. they have a sense of wonder about what they're interested in. And sharing exactly. that is a way of finding connection, which could otherwise be an impenetrable wall of contempt, mutual contempt even. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well said. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, parenting I feel is definitely the ultimate test of your yoga practice. It's like bringing it to life every minute of the day. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Absolutely and cycles pass mm. and we have to remember that. Yeah. And we can begin again, you know, mm. and that's something that I've learned from a, a dear mentor of mine is just this very simple let us begin again. Mm. Here I am. 
I begin again. Mm -hmm. And really a way to clean the slate of, Mm -hmm. you know, what was just the trigger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's so hard. Because then we continue to live in this triggered state. And then just go, okay. And sometimes we need a short, brisk walk. We need a tall glass of water. We need to step into another room. We need these healthy Mm -hmm. distractions, just Mm -hmm. like separate the energy, diffuse the energy. Um, You know, and that can teach us a lot about like everything in life is a ritual. Like that's a ritual. That is like such a healthy ritual. Be like knowing that you actually need to step outside the room for a moment mm-hmm. so you can clean mm-hmm. the slate yeah. and begin again. Yeah. It, like the vinyasa of life. Exactly. <laughs> We're it, all going to be doing laps around the house every like few minutes. <laughs> in Texas, right? we call a beautiful woman a tall glass of water. And I couldn't agree more. <laughs> tall glass of water. <laughs> It's like refreshing for the it's soul. So refreshing for the soul. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, There's so many metaphors there. <laughs> oh. Beautiful. Oh, I, yeah, so I'm, many great ideas. I'm really interested in this this time in your life when you lived off the grid in a cabin. It sound and it sounds like maybe you're off the grid. It's so funny in a cabin right now, but maybe your children are no, are on, on their phones on the grid with your husband. In Whistler, they're on the yeah. We have electricity here. We yeah. have Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that time that I lived in the cabin. Um, it was two years, and it was also not no access in the winter. So, uh, hike in, hike out. Wow. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. parents have a place in the Kootenays also in uh, mm-hmm. the Crawford Bay area. So just oh, across I know the Crawford ferry. Bay. I, I lived there as well. <laughs> you yeah. didn't. You lived oh, yeah. in Crawford Bay. Oh, yeah. 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 I lived in Crawford Bay on a property there. I, probably, yeah. I might know your parents. Who well, knows? How far <laughs> from the golf course were you? Oh, yeah. And I used to even work at the golf course, which is oh, hilarious. You um, know them amazing. for sure then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You probably served us at some point at <laughs> the restaurant. Yeah, I was a waitress. That was a while back. Yeah. Right? To make it to, to pay for my dance school tuition. That's yeah. that was a job that I had. Um, yes, no, I lived. I love that area. It's so special. Mm-hmm. And um, in in this cabin I lived though that was off the grid is in Glade. So it's in between Castlegar and Nelson. Mm-hmm. And it was um, a water tack, like a water ferry to get there. So it was like a cable wow. ferry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was a cable ferry. And then we would, you know, in the winter when the snow came, the road was too epic mm-hmm. and, you know, just not accessible at all. So we would hike, hike the food up, hike the food down. Um, lanterns. We had a generator for um, fridge and we had a generator for some hot water in a shower, mm-hmm. which was yeah. really amazing. And yeah. then otherwise we were, you know, oil lamp, lamp, lanterns. Wow. And, and yeah, it was amazing and very special and very kindred and formative and generative. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of yoga happened there, yeah. uh, in front of the wood stove. Yeah. Um, and, um, very much I was into, you know, was doing a lot of herbalism, making tinctures, echinacea tinctures, making, you know, just yeah. working with a lot of herbs. Um, and, you know, we were, we had this huge garden and that, you know, we were eating all our root vegetables right through the winter. And it was very, very wow. beautiful time. Very in touch, wow. very in, very in, in harmony with, um, <laughs> with nature yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. the natural world it's so interesting because i think those experiences 
almost now you have to really kind of go out of your way to create them because mm-hmm. it's it's so foreign. Like what is natural has become foreign to us. Mm-hmm. And we have to kind of really consciously either go out of our way to reconnect to nature or put ourselves in situations where we're able to connect to nature. I I couldn't agree more. And I think this is why I think it's really important to have one experience a year mm-hmm. where you are living in that way. Mm-hmm. So, and we can all camp, you know, we can have that experience. Camping is great for that experience or, you know, um, going on retreats, mm-hmm. um, whether it be personal or group, but a conscious like no to the work that you do on a daily basis and mm-hmm. a yes to another experience, um, be it, you know, yoga or writing or make painting or, but something where you, you're like, this is, this is how I give back to myself. This is how I fill my whole soul up. This is how I, you know, let go of the, the mundane and the root of everyday life and, and welcome in this very sacred time for myself. And then once we have those experiences, that's why I love going on retreats, leading retreats. I mean, they just absolutely transform. It's life changing. If we have one of those, you know, once a year, perhaps sometimes only two days, that's perfect. Doesn't matter. Um, we're more likely to, to remember and live in that way. So even though we're living in the mundane of life right now, you're in minus 30, you know, where are, the, where are the sacred, where can, where can you find the sacred? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it comes through devotional practice, right? Devotional mm-hmm. creativity. That's my word for 2023 devotional creativity. Beautiful. I am so ready for it. And <sighs> instead of getting caught up in the details and the deadlines, I'm going to go, to myself, no, I get to do this work. How blessed am I Mm. that I get to write this new book or that I get to do this project? And so it's not what I do, it's how I do it. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I I became uh, close friends this this last year, the year past um, with a a plumber from Fort Mac and (laughs) lives near us in Airdrie. And he invited me to go camping out in Red Deer. And I was really excited to have this kind of outdoor experience and, and to camp again, to be in tune with nature. And just <laughs> watching 15 plumbers and their wives get absolutely fucking hammered was, it was that experience. And I was really grateful for it. I don't know if it was. <laughs> That was their that was their interpretation. Yeah, that was yeah, their interpretation was, of their retreat. Their soul it was retreat. A, it was a Lose pagan. It was a Dionysus retreat. Dionysian <laughs> event around the fire, and I'm really very proud that no one was burned alive. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Wow. Having these little yeah. events and moments, and take the time to do that. Well, you know, mm. and the fact that you can see it as that, like, right? I mean, everyone has their own interpretation of, you know, what is and what isn't, and who knows? I mean, at, we have our teachers. Our, our teachers are everywhere. I think our muses mm. are everywhere, and it's like the lens in which, oh, the humor you can bring in, the lens mm-hmm. in which you see, you know, the perspective, all of it. Um, I think that's it. It was actually, I mean, there was a moment there where I was watching, so it's this this big camping uh, trailer park in the woods, right? And so there's, there's a, say, 500, 400 people there, and they're all you know, these working class guys who want to have their outdoor camping experience. And yeah. 
But what was really special about it, like really pure, was that their children, there was 200 of them, were just <laughs> wild. What's that, what's that book? Feral. Fer- Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies, <laughs> Feral. And so I'm watching like five-year-olds running amok and free in the woods for about 15 hours a day until they get hungry and they come back. Yeah. I was like, that's actually a cool way to grow up. I mean, your parents are out of it, you know, (laughs) but it's like, it's kind of, it's like, it's, it's, you'd be hard pressed today to find a way for children to be free in the woods for days on end like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And, you know, and it's, you know, and there's part of that, that is like, they find their way, you Mm -hmm. know, they Mm -hmm. find their way. I, I actually had, that's kind of a way that I grew up is mm-hmm. my parents were very um, free. They were very, they were very social and they had, you know, a lot of gatherings and there was a lot of kids and we were all kind of, we all found our way, but that was also the style then it was, mm-hmm. there was no yeah. helicopter parenting going on. Right. You know, it was the style of just like, you'll find your way, you know, yeah. and there was a lot to be said for that. I think Yeah, pe- pe- parents were a lot less worried Back in the or, 70s and 80s, it feels like. But they were a little distracted by well, whatever they were doing. And well, I think I think also if you even go back a generation in the in the 50s, it was almost like kids were just like completely left to their own mm-hmm. devices in some respects. So I think our our style of parenting, our mode of parenting has has changed a great deal from like the 1950s where kids were like to be seen and not heard and just kind of, you know, yeah, ignored in a sense Mm -hmm. to like, you know, gradually kind of coming up to a type of parenting style now that, that feels almost um, intrusive to allowing children to just be children. Right. So it's, Mm -hmm. it is an interesting kind of evolution of our, Mm -hmm. our parenting style as a culture. But there is a question of what our means there and and who are we referring to? Because I, I could imagine children in English boarding school having very limited freedoms. Yeah, yeah. You know, compared to or Scottish boarding school, compared to <laughs> out here in the frontier. In the frontier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it's, um, it's a big wild world out there. And uh yeah, I think that the more we can lean in to connect somehow mm-hmm. without controlling being genuinely curious and interested and, um, and listening, listening. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that I, you know, this is a great ritual you can do with um, families mm. is around the holidays and as the new year comes and actually solstice winter solstice is a time division for 2023. It's a time to, you know, note the highlights of the year past and welcome in the the frequency that you you're you know like I shared devotional creativity were the words that came through for me for this year, and you know I do that with my girls also. So we talk about nice. um, we talk about you know some things that they're letting go of. My eleven year old told me she's letting go of being passive aggressive. Oh, That's good awesome. for her. That's going to bode well for the rest of her life. <laughs> so yes. Okay, I guess I've said that word a few times. Um, 
<laughs> which mm. is so funny. And and but no, you know, and then it's really it's really true. Um, it's it, and so then we have a little fire, and we you know we burn stuff, we mm-hmm. we give st- stuff to the fire that we're releasing. Um, and then we call forward, you know, when my eight year old said, um, I want to be more confident in math class and, you know, you know, it's like so pure, right? So when, when you just give that opportunity without me saying it has to be look one way or the other, it's just really free. What comes up? So what are some, some things that you feel you don't want to hold on to anymore? What are some things that you want to invite in? Just that those simple things, even with your 11 year old, you know, you have to be in a nice cozy state. It can't be like hungry or tired Um, (laughs) or distracted. Um, but you know, those are really nice things because what does that do? That brings it to the internal and then personal internal and personal internal grows into intuition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want. Yeah. I think there's something really, really fascinating about what you're doing. When I just thinking about the frontier and how we're, we're living, um, we're the descendants of colonists with these, these old structures from the old world that maybe aren't serving us as well, in a in this postmodern community that we we find ourselves in, and so how can we reconstruct something elemental to 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 find a, a sense of space and sucker for ourselves to find something really deeply felt in our daily experience that that can that can live in, a, in a, outside of Tupperware and. <laughs> And I feel like this is what we have to do. We have to reconstruct some. Our, we have to reconstruct a civilization for ourselves out here, where in 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 this frontier that we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I couldn't agree more. And I feel that if I may add, shifting the lens away from the colonial, patriarchal not not about man or woman there um lens mm-hmm. sexist misogynist privileged mm-hmm. when we can shift that lens and go okay well what can we how can we see this now yeah. you know that's that's actually why i wrote that second book which is not coming out until july 2023 but that's the feminine that's the way the feminine calls the there's a paradigm shift i believe in our consciousness happening. And, and you, I think you, you said it really well and you, or you, you asked the question really well, like, well, how can we now see, how can we now live? What is the now, the, the energy that we can, you know, raise ourselves and our children in this world today in a way that is, you know, nourishing, nurturing and free. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the earth, mother earth, Gaia, and I think about the feminine lens and all she can grow. And, you know, the earth is such a teacher to us. And Mm -hmm. I I feel that, you know, her cycles and her seasons are what we move through on a daily basis. Also the expansion to the contraction, that very basic, you know, energy in life, we go out, we go back in. Mm -hmm. That's a, to me, a very um, reciprocal nourishing energy to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it can give us faith for the future. Mm-hmm. I think you need like a kind of witch teacher harmony. I think maybe this, yeah. maybe yeah, Mara could help us with that. Yeah, I I love that too because it's like connecting. I mean, 
humans, you know, our our societies sort of evolved, our our gizmos and gadgets have evolved, our maybe workspaces have evolved, but our our souls, our spirits, our our essence in a way hasn't really evolved in many ways and we still need to to use these rituals to feed our ourselves, to feel connected, to feel integrated. And um, yeah, I think that's really important to find, you know, maybe pulling in like these old ways and creating something new or like slightly more adaptive to the kind of society that we're living in, but still holding that space to have these rituals that connect us back to nature, that connect us with ourselves, that connect us to each other also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I suggest um, honoring new moon and full moon every month. Um, yeah. And, you know, new moon is that internal energy. It's new beginnings. It's where we plant the seeds of an, our intention. Full moon is that external energy. It can be very loud and dynamic. That's why we need to track it because if we don't track it, then we can get swept up in the drama of life and we don't understand why. And then we feel conflicted when we understand the energies of, of the moon and the earth, or we're aware of them, we are, we're observing them. We're more able to perhaps see and listen, um, to some of the, the, the wisdom teachings that are actually coming through us. Mm. Um, and then we can guide ourselves appropriately. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. What's the name of your second book that's coming out in a few months? Sage, Huntress, Lover, Queen, Access Your Power and Creativity Through Sacred Female Archetypes. It's a big title. It's a big one. (laughs) It's a big one. And so I'm working with seven female archetypes. Yeah. And what the energy is, so it's male or female, Mm -hmm. um, is that we can access all of the archetypes at different cycles of our life. We're not just one. We can access all of them to um, help us heal and evolve mm-hmm. so that we can be the person, you eat, so that we can sp- express ourselves in the way that we want to in the world. Then we can find true joy, true happiness, true peace. Um, and so I work a lot with the shadow mm-hmm. also in these archetypes, you know? So um, for example, um, you know, with the mother archetype, if we have a severed relationship with our own mother, for mm. example, or we have that inner child wounding mm. where we felt not nourished, abandoned, mm-hmm. etc., not heard, not listened to, not, you know, felt, then that will cycle through, whether we have children or not. It's not about that, but it's about honoring the mother within, the mother within, then we can create, we can be grounded, we can be abundant. So it's, it's like that. It's like really looking. And then there's a meditations and rituals to work with each archetype. Oh, fantastic. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, how can people find your works and books? What's, what's a good place for them to look and, and search for? Yeah. Anywhere you buy your books. And if you want to know more about me, yeah, it's everywhere. So, um, if you want to know more, you know, it's just my website, marabranscombe.com. And then you will find links to all the teachings and practices and books and articles. I'm writing a lot of articles as well. So um, that's been, yeah, it's been lovely to share with the words, with the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. And you have a website as well, Ritual is Remedy. And I could I go there to to help myself find 
all the stuff. And, you know, this is my last podcast of 2022, but I do think I've done about 60 podcasts, like honestly, like just, and so there is a lot of those podcasts on the site. Um, including yours will be yeah. in time. Um, and it will be the first podcast of 2023. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of um, ways that folks could find support um, mm-hmm. on both yeah. of those sites. Awesome. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And we'll put all your links in our show notes, of course, and the social thank media you. and all oh, the things so people thank, can find you. And thank you very much for spending time with us. It's, yeah, it's been so you. nice. Nice That's to nice. connect with another Canadian woman. Yes. Yeah. yeah, really nice. I didn't know I was getting two. This is like two for one. I know. I'm, I'm, one. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> He's a, our token American I'm just a, to like bring in the... You uh, can just say token. <laughs> just, he's our token. That's okay. <laughs> oh, he always that's keeps awesome. me up to date on all the uh, conflicts of the world because he's yeah. American. So he right you know. <laughs> in your DNA, right? All, all the conflicts are in America. That's right. <laughs> we have to heal. We can yeah. heal. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Um, it was absolutely yeah. our pleasure. I look yeah. forward to staying connected in the new year and getting your new book. I cannot wait. I'm so excited right. to read that. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And stay warm. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. And quick, quick, before you go, I just want to remind you that you can sign up for my online workshop with Keen on Yoga. It's happening at the end of January, January 28th. It's going to be all about sacred cycles and a special Ashtanga yoga based sequence that you can do at different times in your cycle, whether it's your menstrual cycle or pre-pregnancy, post-pregnancy, things that you can adapt and change to respond to changing energy levels, changing time, changing demands on your time. We're going to be talking all about different cycles in our life and how we can best adapt our practice and also have a little practice to go along with it. So I hope you'll join me January 28th. It's a Saturday. It's online and it's live. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking waves There's a hard wind and the soil